Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to Tiny Vampires, a podcast about disease, science, and blood-sucking insects. is episode 7. Is the movie Outbreak an accurate portrayal of vaccine development? I'm Raven Forrest Riscalzo, your host. I'm really excited about this episode because it's a special one. It's actually a companion episode to another podcast. The topic this time doesn't come from a listener like usual, but was one of the questions the host of Beyond the Big Screen podcast asked me when I was an expert guest on his show. The movie Steve and I discussed was the 1995 classic Outbreak, which was based on a popular book called The Hot Zone. In the movie, CDC and military epidemiologists worked together to track down and contain an Ebola-like virus that was on the loose in the United States. At the end of the movie, the main character, played by Dustin Hoffman, creates a vaccine in a matter of hours. We can all well guess that the writers wrote this vaccine development with a healthy dose of artistic license. But what is the real story? Steve asked me, how accurate is the research in these scenes on trying to create a cure or vaccine? What are the protocols and processes? This is just one of the things that we talked about, not just about the disease research side, but also on the portrayal of the military. So be sure to check out the full episode. It's going to release the first week of June, actually. Because the movie was based on a virus that was pretty similar to Ebola, and a vaccine for Ebola was recently developed, I'll be using this as a case study. Ebola is a virus that can cause hemorrhagic fever. Ebola outbreaks begin when it is passed from an animal to a human. We don't currently know which animal is the primary vector, but we know that it's not insects and that non-human primates like gorillas and chimps, as well as other mammals like bats, can carry it. The fatality rate of Ebola ranges from just 25% all the way to 90%, and currently there's no treatment. Ebola made its appearance on the world stage in 1976, with its worst outbreak occurring from 2014 to 2016, which tragically killed 11,000 
325 people and sickened 28,652 people all over the world. This outbreak started in Guinea and then spread to Sierra Leone and Liberia, with most of the deaths occurring in these three countries. At the beginning of the outbreak, there were no vaccines being tested in humans. There were multiple that were being tested on animals to make sure that they were both safe and effective. When the outbreak began, various groups working on Ebola vaccines rushed to make their vaccines available for human trials. The first trial was in Liberia and was run by the NIH, or the United States National Institute of Health. It was a pretty average trial with placebos and true vaccines. It was kind of what you would think of as a typical drug trial. At the same time, the CDC, or United States Center for Disease Control and Prevention, was running trials in Sierra Leone, where healthcare workers were being vaccinated in two rounds, and the infection rate of these two groups were being compared. After seeing that these vaccines appeared to be working in other countries, Guinea went to the World Health Organization and requested that the trials be conducted there as well. The results of the Guinea trials are what we're going to be talking about today. But first, let's talk about the different types of vaccines. There are many different ways to make a vaccine, but the end goal is to train a person's immune system to recognize a pathogen be it a virus, a bacteria, or a parasite, before the person becomes infected. This training causes the body's immune system to produce antibodies that match and are specific to that particular pathogen. The antibodies are like little flags that attach to the outside of the pathogen that indicate to the immune cells to kill whatever has those flags on it. You can kind of picture it like this. Your immune cells are like little soldiers that have not yet gone through training. They have no idea what the enemy, which is the pathogen, looks like, so the enemy comes in and wreaks havoc before the troops figure out that they're even bad guys, and then once they do recognize it, they have to organize the defenses against it. A vaccine shows these soldiers what to look for before the pathogen invades. This way, the troops are already organized and ready to fight. Sticking with this analogy, I'll go through the different types of vaccines. First, there's the live attenuated vaccine. This is when a pathogen is weakened so that it cannot cause disease. So, it's as if we took the enemy's weapons away and then showed them to the troops. Because these are the exact soldiers the troops will be fighting, the vaccine can be very effective. The downside to this is that the soldiers can reacquire their weapons. This is true for vaccines as well. Although it's incredibly rare, it is possible for the virus to mutate back to being pathogenic. Inactivated vaccines are killed versions of the pathogen. This is as if we captured the enemy soldiers and locked them up and then showed them to the troops. There's no way for these enemies to cause harm. Because the viruses aren't alive, they can't mutate, causing disease again. Next is the recombinant vector vaccines. They are made of combining a harmless virus with part of a protein coat on the outside of the pathogen. This protein coat is how our immune cells 
recognize the pathogen is not our own cells. In our analogy, it's like we took the enemy's uniform and put them on mannequins. The troops learn what the enemy looks like, but they don't have to worry about being attacked. This is the kind of vaccine the researchers used in Guinea to fight the Ebola outbreak. Regardless of the type of vaccine, here in the United States, the vaccine producer must not only show that the vaccine is not harmful, but also that it is effective at keeping people healthy. The first stage is exploratory. This by itself takes two to four years of tinkering in the lab to make sure that the vaccine is doing everything that it's supposed to do. Next are the preclinical stages, where cells grown in dishes are exposed. These are called cultures. This is also when they test a vaccine on animals to make sure that it's safe and that it triggers the immune system to respond. If all goes well, they move into phase one vaccine trials, where small groups of volunteer adults, around 80, are injected. Then onto phase two trials, where an even larger group of hundreds of adults are studied. Phase three has thousands of participants and begins to slowly move the age range to younger and older people to ensure that there's no adverse reaction in these different age ranges. If all goes well in all of these stages, the producers of the vaccine apply to license it. But even then, they may continue to study just to make sure that no ill effects are shown as the number of people vaccinated grow. The paper we'll be talking about today is at the end of this process. Hen Ao Restrepo et al. published the paper called Efficiency and Effectiveness of an RVS Vectored Vaccine in Preventing Ebola Virus Disease. Final results from the Guinea Ring Vaccination open-label cluster randomization trial, which they published just this last December. When they say RVSV vectored, they're just referring to the harmless virus that they used to carry around the Ebola protein coat to show it to the immune system. To get to this point where the vaccine was ready to be tested on people, many years of work had gone into its development. For this vaccine, it appears as though it started in 2007 by the government of Canada. There, it was tested on many different animal species to make sure that it was both safe and effective. When they did this, they found that the vaccine they developed required just one dose to protect animals from even a high dose of Ebola virus. The Canadians then sold this vaccine to the United States pharmaceutical company, Merck, which provided doses for these human trials. The ring vaccination part is the really interesting part of the story to me. A ring is a social and geographical network of people. When a call came in that a person in a village was confirmed to have Ebola, the vaccination team would move in. They would find every person that the sick person had been in contact with. Friends, families, shopkeepers, and so on. Then they would find all of the contacts of those people and vaccinated them as well. Using myself as an example, if I was infected with the Ebola virus, the team would make a list of my contacts. These would be my husband, my lab mates, 
my advisor, my friend Jeff and Poncho and Rob. Then they would make a list of all of the people that those people had contact with. My husband's coworkers, my lab mate's fiance, my advisor's wife and kids, and so on. The researchers did this for nearly 100 infected people. To get an idea of how complicated this was, take a minute to write down every person that you came in contact with over the past three days. How many names can you remember? Can you describe the last cashier you interacted with? Doing this, you can see that this type of trial is a monumental amount of investigative work. An interesting note about this vaccination technique is that it was actually the method used to eradicate smallpox. In this trial, to make sure that the vaccine was actually working, they had to have a control group. They randomly selected rings to get the vaccine right away, which are called immediate rings, and others to get the vaccine after 21 days, which is the delayed rings. They chose 21 days because this is the incubation period for the Ebola virus. When they were halfway done with these trials, the researchers assessed what they had found, as well as bringing in what they had learned from the other trials that were going on at the same time. By comparing the number of Ebola cases in the immediate rings to the number of cases in the delayed rings, they found that the vaccine they were testing was between 100 and 75 percent effective, which was really great news. Out of the 9,000 people they vaccinated, some had adverse reactions, like an allergy to the vaccine, but very few, and none of these reactions caused lasting health effects. When the committee that was overlooking the trial in Guinea saw these results, they said that it would be most compassionate to use the vaccine immediately on all of the rings. So from then on, they got rid of the delayed rings. At the end of the trial, no one who had been vaccinated in the immediate rings had contracted Ebola, but 23 in the delayed rings did contract the disease. There were many, many organizations partnered to conduct this massive research project, so I'm not going to list them all, but the major groups were the Canadian, United Kingdom, United States, Norwegian, and Guinean governments as well as Merck, the Wellcome Trust, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, just to name a few. This one was a truly global effort. After this successful study, and those in other countries, Merck filed for the vaccine to be licensed. So it could be registered as soon as next year, which would be a huge victory against this horrible disease. In the meantime, there is a current stockpile of these vaccines for emergency response. There are also other Ebola vaccines in the works that might be better for long-term immunity, as there is a possibility that this Canadian vaccine is only good for emergency response. Unfortunately, there may be a need for it. On May 11th, a sample from a group of sick individuals tested positive for Ebola in the Democratic Republic of Congo. I'll try to keep you all up to date on the approval process for this Ebola vaccine, as well as the most current outbreak. I want to thank Kelly1616 for reviewing 
my podcast on iTunes. Just as a reminder, there's going to be a drawing for a free Tiny Vampires logo t-shirt, which uh, you can see images of on Facebook. To enter, all you have to do is review Tiny Vampires on iTunes or Stitcher before June 27th. It's not only just for a free t-shirt, these ratings really are important for helping other people find this podcast. So if you enjoy it, uh, word of mouth and ratings go a long way. My next episode might be a little bit late as my husband and I are going on a honeymoon to Croatia next month. I'll do my best to get it out on time, but I figured I'd just let you know, fair warning. That episode is going to be about the kite stickers. Some of you might have seen the videos of this floating around on Facebook. They are uh, little colorful stickers that claim to repel mosquitoes so that you don't need to use spray-on repellents. This topic was suggested by multiple people who posted videos on the Tiny Vampires Facebook page. I hope that you found and continue to find this podcast informative. Please visit my blog, tinyvampires.com, to get all of the links to the show notes, music, and more. I also found a really interesting press briefing from the principal investigator of this exact paper. So uh, if you're interested in it, and she talks a lot about the different ethical implications, so uh, it's really fascinating. So like I said, that link is going to be in the show notes. As always, if you have any arthropod or disease topics or questions that you would like me to talk about, or if you have corrections, please send them to H-F-O-R-R-E-S and the number one at ND, like Notre Dame, dot edu. Or you can go to the Tiny Vampires blog contact us page or post them on Facebook. Thank you for listening from me, Raven Forrest Ruscalzo, PhD student at the University of Notre Dame, member of the Social Responsibilities of Researchers program. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.